tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 416 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest is Simon Mejia, no less, of Bomba Estéreo, a Colombian band known all over the world. You'll know songs like Somos Dos, Fuego, and Soy Yo, you know, the one with the video that won all those awards. But of course, they've yet to win a Grammy. But we're talking to Simon Mejia about his new project, a project in the pipeline. It's called Yuma Rio Sonora. And so it's uh, about the Magdalena River and the music along the Magdalena River. So a couple of my friends are also in this uh, documentary. That's Abundio y sus traviesos, a band from Mompos. But it's an amazing opportunity to talk to Simon Mejia about Bombe Stereo, about not winning a Grammy, about the Magdalena River and the music, and a little bit more. We'll be talking about all these things uh, next week because the dust is still settling on Sunday's uh, uh, legislative congressional elections. So next week, we will be talking to Sergio Guzman of Columbia Risk Analysis and getting some feedback. You know, while we can take a look and with a week's difference, we can really establish what happened on Sunday, the 13th of uh, March in these legislative elections and what this means for the presidential elections in May. So we're just putting a little bit of time between the elections and our feedback and our sort of, let's say, analysis of this. So very exciting times, very exciting episode ahead and, of course, tomorrow. And then we've got some stuff about the environment and, of course, what's going on with the big fires down in the Amazon, uh, what the Colombian government might or might not be doing in terms of protecting the Amazon here in Colombia. Uh, so very interesting times. And of course, before I forget, before I forget, for our Patreon supporters, that's patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling, you will get one hour of exclusive music DJed by Simon Mejia there on the Patreon platforms. That's one hour of exclusive unheard music exclusive to the columbia calling podcast now simon has described it as let me first find exactly what he said he described it as afro 
Colombian. Let's see. Hang on a second. Afro-Colombian psychedelic and indigenous folk music. So if this tickles your fancy a little bit, sign up for the Columbia Calling podcast on Patreon. We still have one opening at $2 and another opening at $5. And then, of course, that's per month. And then after that, and you get all sorts of goodies as well. So check out that. Right now, it's over to Emily Hart with the news. Thank you to Emily for providing this each week. And of course, check out her website. That's emilyhart.co.uk. And you can see a lot of her bylines there, the articles that she's written. Very privileged to have her taking the reins on several of our episodes as well. Last week's um, with uh, our peace builders and the week before that with Luis Camacho, uh, the science uh, fiction writer from Colombia. And of course, she'll be back with more episodes in the future. But I'm going to go away now, leave you with Emily, and we'll be back with Simon Mejia of Bomba Estéreo talking to us here on the Colombia Calling podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't go away. I'm Emily Hart, and this is your Columbia News Briefing for the week of March 14th, 2022. This Sunday saw key elections for Colombia, with presidential primaries and both houses of Congress elected, the 165 seats of the lower chamber, the House of Representatives, and the 102 seats of the upper chamber, the Senate. For the presidential primaries, three coalitions presented candidates – Pacto Histórico on the left, Centro Esperanza in the centre, and Equipo por Colombia on the political right. Of nearly six million voters for Pacto Histórico in the presidential primaries, Gustavo Petro won over 80%, a clear leader for the coalition, with Francia Márquez in second place with 14%. Centro Esperanza gained 2.2 million votes, a third of which went to Sergio Fajardo, now the presidential candidate for that coalition, with Juan Manuel Galán in at second with 23% of the votes. Right-wing coalition Equipo por Colombia saw just over 4 million votes, 54% of which were won by Fico Gutiérrez, with Alex Char at second with 18%. This is being seen as a powerful victory for Petro, as well as for Márquez, given that she gained more votes than well-established politicians like Sergio Fajardo, winner of the centrist primary. Petro, Fajardo and Gutiérrez will now move into the first round of the presidential elections, along with other candidates Ingrid Betancourt and Rodolfo Hernández, who did not take part in the primaries. Any candidate winning 50% or more of the vote in the first round, which will be held May 29th, will win the presidency. Otherwise, a runoff election will be held in June. Meanwhile, also on Sunday, the legislative chambers were voted in, with a turnout of around 48%, 18 million voters. The left won an unprecedented level of support in a country which traditionally votes for conservative leadership. Petro called it the best result for progressivism in the history of Colombia. However, while Pacto Histórico won more votes than any left-wing movement in Colombia's history, they have not won an absolute majority in the legislature. In the Senate, the upper chamber of Colombia's Congress, Pacto Histórico and the Conservative Party now each hold 16 seats, the biggest parties, with the Liberal Party holding 15. The ruling party, the Centro Democrático, lost five seats in the Senate in these elections, falling from being the leader with 19 seats after the 2018 elections.
In terms of Congress as a whole, the election produced a lead for the Liberal Party, with 48 seats across both chambers. Pacto Historico and the Conservative Party each have 41 seats. The Comunes Party, formerly the FARC political party, won 0.19% of the total for the Senate and 0.12% for the House of Representatives, falling short of the threshold required to win seats. However, it will continue with five seats in the Senate and five in the House of Representatives, seats which were guaranteed in the peace agreement. Though this will be the last legislative period in which Comunes will have these guaranteed seats. The new legislators will take their places on the 20th of July. That was your election briefing. Thanks for listening. And we're back. This is Colombia calling. I'm Richard McCall here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this week on episode 416, we have a, well, a guest who is de lujo. Simon Mejia of Bombe Estéreo is here with us. Thank you, Simon. I don't think you need any introduction to any of my listeners. This is an amazing opportunity, not only for me, but obviously for them. Hi, hello, Richard. Thank you. Thank you very much for the for the presentation. It's a de lujo presentation. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> for those of you who, for some reason, for some unknown reason, do not know Bombay Stereo, check them out. Obviously, they're all over Spotify and everything else, but not only Bombay Stereo. Simon is a documentary maker. I mean, you know, you're a visual artist, you're a producer. Okay, we say founder and producer of Bombay Stereo, Grammy nominee. Uh, I mean, you've done everything. And and the only thing it seems that's left to do is this documentary that you're doing right now or you're going to do called El Yuma, Sonic River or Rio Sonoro. And it's a musical journey to the depths of the Magdalena River, the birthplace of cumbia music. So let's get this out there. It's on Kickstarter. You're 80% funded. Uh, obviously, we're recording this ahead of time. Everyone should sign up and throw some money at this. But tell us a little bit about it, please, uh, Simon. Yeah, Richard, it's, it's, it's a really special project and a, um, a project that um, I've been putting me and the team because we're working along with, with more people. No? We, we've been putting lots of energy in almost five years of developing this project and investigating and going to the river and and trying to understand this relation this really beautiful relationship between rivers and music here in Colombia. Hey, you know Colombia is for me Colombia is, is a country of water. You know, Colombia, Colombia is, is full of water all over. You know, we have the paramos, the, the moor, moor, moorlands, I think it's in English, no? That are like unique ecosystems in, in the world. I think only two countries in the world have paramos, like Colombia, that is where where water is 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 born, no? Mm-hmm. It's this very high, high up in the mountains. And for the Magdalena River, the is what I think is the only river in the world, or, or one of the only rivers in the world that is born and and dies, what to say, in the same country. No, and in the case of Colombia, it's born in the south of Colombia, where the three the Andean uh, mountain ridge splits in three, 
uh, three uh, uh, mountain ridges here in Colombia. And in that place, uh, the three or four most important rivers of Colombia are born. Mm -hmm. The Magdalena, Caquetá, El Cauca, and El Patia, I think. Massive, massive rivers, massive rivers. And then from each river takes its own, its own way through Colombia, through the Colombian geography that is so beautiful and so biodiverse, because here in Colombia we have tropical seas, no? we have the jungles, we have the, the mountains, we have the deserts, we have the valleys, no? we have this very, very biodiverse country. And that's why it's so biodiverse in music as well. No, so the Magdalena, the history tells uh, that through the Magdalena, that it is born, as I said, in the south of Colombia and dies in the Caribbean, in the Caribbean uh, Ocean, uh, in the Caribbean Sea, in Barranquilla. And history tells that uh, th through the Magdalena uh, in colonial, it was like the the main path for the colonization, you know, when, when the African slaves came with the Spanish colonization and everything, and they entered the territory through this river, you no. Know? And the good thing about that colonization was that the African slaves met with the indigenous peoples of Colombia. The indigenous peoples of Colombia had their own music. That was a ritualistic music that they play with the flutes and some really archaic drums. And they played music just to praise the natural gods, the indigenous, no? Mm -hmm. And they had this ritualistic music for ceremonies and everything. And when the, when the African slaves came with their drumming traditions from Africa and met with this ritualistic music from the indigenous, the local indigenous of Colombia, a new genre of music was born that was amazing, and that is the folk music that we have today in Colombia. That is the, the encounter between these two amazing and ancestral cultures. And from this encounter comes all the folklore tradition, including cumbia. That is like the most famous uh, musical genre that comes out from Colombia and spread all over Latin America and all over the world. And it's the music that inspired Bomba Stereo to is what it is. Mm -hmm. Because what Bomba Stereo did was mix cumbia, that is this folk tradition and folk ancestral music with electronic music. And that's what Bomba is about, no? So we owe everything to this folk music that uh, was born in the river and in the encounters that this massive river made because Back in the times I see now the river and I, I think like back in the times the, the river was kind of like the internet for these people <laughs> because they communicated through the river no, and through the rivers and everything. So it's a beautiful story. The river is, uh, as, I told, as I told before, a massive, massive river full of ecosystems, full of culture and also full of threats because today in environmentally speaking the river is really contaminated really deforestation has caused a lot of negative impacts to the river and to the fish and everything that that happens in terms of life in this river and also uh, 
talking about the history of Colombia, as you know, Colombia has been a conflicted country throughout its history. Since colonial times, we've been in war here in Colombia. And the river, sadly, has been a kind of a, a, the, how to say, like the, 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 ver la vertebra, the vertebrae mm -hmm. of this conflict, mm -hmm. no? Because as culture and life and everything travels through the river, violence has also traveled through the river. And there's an old saying, there's an old saying here in Colombia that says, sadly, that if the Magdalena dries up someday, not so, not so, and not so far away in the future, because with this climate change, we don't know what's going to happen. But if the Magdalena dries up, it's the biggest cemetery in Colombia, because it has been the, the deposit of all the deaths of violence since colonial times. Mm -hmm. So just imagine what this river has seen, not only in the positive, but in the negative. But I found this a very beautiful history to tell, story to tell, because it's the river of life and death and music and sadness. So, so this is a, a really beautiful story. And that's what, what we want to, to tell in this, in this film. That's, that's the story, yeah. I think it's amazing. Uh, you, you did put, you've got a, a quote I'll, I'll read out here on the Kickstarter page, which kind of encompasses what you've, you've said. It's, the Magdalena is a mirror of Colombia and its social and political contradictions. And, and when you talk about also the, let's say, it being this long fluvial cemetery, it makes me think of, of uh, General Hermógenes Massa from all the way back, you know, this horribly bloodthirsty general of Bolivars who, who who drowned, you know, captives and prisoners of war down by Puerto Colombia, which is now Gamarra. I mean, that's so you even from back then, you're talking about this, not just now and and uh, or you know, in recent years and the paramilitary deaths from Barranca Bermeja and elsewhere, Puerto Berrio, but you're talking about, as you say, all the way back to colonial times. But I wanted to pick up on something. It's the Magdalena River. Yeah, uh, I, I write a lot about it and I write a, about Montpós. That's one of my, my side projects. But the Magdalena River has become so very, and, and correctly so, I would say fashionable in the last couple of years as well. I mean, Wade Davis wrote his Magdalena book in River of, uh, I mean, the, the Colombian, you know, Wade Davis is, uh, what's it called? Magdalena and River of Dreams. River of Dreams. He was on the show a couple of years ago talking about this. And then we had a young writer, Jordan Salama, who uh, wrote a book called Every Day the River Changes about his travels along the river. And he talks about it. And then your documentary will be out in 2023 because it will be funded. And then hopefully I'll be able to publish my book on, on this as well. So we will flood the market with Magdalena knowledge. But I think it's so important because, as you said, it's the vertebra of Colombia. It, as it starts, it has, its, um, has its, its birthplace up there in San Agustin, and it ends in the Caribbean. So it crosses most of the country. Uh, and yes, I mean, you are an environmentalist. The contamination is beyond uh, belief. Uh, this, this need for, I don't know, I, as you say, sort of inverted commas, progress has, has left the Magdalena River in a situation that is, is perilous. And 
and the communities that live alongside and close to the Magdalena, well, they live and die by this river. I mean, it's, it controls uh, their, their lives. And, and so you're going to capture this. But let's talk a bit more about, about the music because it, 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 this is the, you know, it can be a lament, obviously, as you say, the sorrow of the river, but also the alegría, the, the joy of this river. And as you mentioned, the, the good, the, about the only good thing from the colonization is the me- mixture of the Afro-musical roots with the indigenous roots to make the cumbia, which is, for me, for me, the best music that comes out of Colombia is this cumbia music, this traditional cumbia music. And you are going to be recording people in, and musicians in Rio Viejo, which I don't know, but I do know Botón de Leva, obviously Mompos, Magangue, Remolino, I know where it is, and Trojas de Cataca. I, where is Trojas de Cataca? <laughs> yeah, 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 music. Yeah. Trojas de Cataca is in La Ciénaga Grande, Santa Marta. Okay. Uh, it's a small, a really small, small town, um, just very close to Venecia. Mm-hmm. So on the stilts, the built the houses yeah, on, the, on, the, on the, okay. the stilts, on the stilts, ah. and this place uh, in the nineties, the late nineties, uh, this Venetian, and this and this 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 small town, they were victims of a huge massacre, paramilitary massacre, and but there are also musicians there and everything, and Cienaga Grande as all the Cienagas, I don't know the name in English for Cienaga. Swamp? No. A wetland, let's say. A wetland, is, yeah. Yeah, swamp, swamp is quite negative. <laughs> yeah, it's negative. Yeah. <laughs> like a wetland, these wetlands um, in this area of the river that is all the Depresión Mompocina, is the low part of the river that is full of these wetlands, are the, the lungs of the river, mm. the wetlands. And But sadly, the Siena Grande is, is a dying wetland as well, you know, but but going back to music and, and going back to all these uh, kind of negative aspects of, of Colombia's history and violence and environmental degradation and everything, there's one really beautiful thing about the Colombian culture and about Colombians and Colombian music and the people who inhabit these places, that they have a so beautiful resilience that is people that have passed through very difficult things, no? Very, very violent things, and still make this this music and play and sing this music. There is a really festive music, and I think that speak it speaks a lot about Colombia. You know that Colombia, we've been in war for so many years, no. But you come to Colombia and you see people and everything. And people at the end, they are really happy people, and they make happy music. And we like to dance and we like to party, and you know. So that contradiction in 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 our Colombian culture it really uh, intrigues me a lot. Intrigues me. I find it really beautiful because I think music and culture uh, are ways for us to to overcome the, all the difficult situations that we have lived throughout history, you know, and and also uh, and also at the same time this music, this folk music. In not only in the Magdalena River, but all over Colombia, usually comes from the, naturally speaking, most 
outstanding landscapes of Colombia. No, you go to the river and the river is really beautiful. Or you go to the Pacific coast of Colombia that is also full of music and it's jungle and the sea and these beautiful landscapes. You go to the Amazon jungle where the, we have the indigenous music and everything and it's the Amazon jungle. You go to Los Llanos that is like the plains and we have this amazing music from Los Llanos. So I think it, 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 music is deeply connected with nature. And in Colombia and in Latin America in general, but especially in Colombia and maybe in Brazil, this is really strong because they're musical countries, you know, musical countries. And that has to do with that. We have all this African influence during the colonial times. We have the indigenous that were really connected people with, the, with nature and they use music as a way of connecting even more with nature. And then, and then the whites that we did what we have to do But, but the roots of that is are really really deep and really strong and really beautiful no and you see and you see that colombia today is a is a uh, how do you say like a, a como una potencia like a really strong internationally in music not only in mainstream music as reggaeton and whatever but all types of music in, of colombia you see it in european and us festivals playing live so that speaks very beautifully about the country. And I mean, on that note, on that note, I've noticed that you at Bombay Stereo will be playing in London in July at Somerset House, which is such an intimate and amazing opportunity to play, uh, you know, in, in these things. So, you, I mean, you tour everywhere and the reception to Bombay Stereo music and the cumbia or the electro cumbia It's huge, isn't it? I mean, it's it's it, it's amazing, as you, and and this taps into what you're saying about Colombia's music and the international draw. Yeah, yeah, because I think um, what happened with the type of music that we make is that it connected in in a very like simple but powerful way these two worlds of of Latin music and international music no let's say electronic music is an international music mm -hmm. because before that uh, for example latin music was uh, for anglo speaking audiences and everything was uh, understand as for example salsa music mm -hmm. that is a very complex latin music really complex to dance mm -hmm. <laughs> no much, not, not everyone can dance salsa you know <laughs> no, i can't so there you go <laughs> so 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 people uh, thought latin music was all about that mm -hmm. and it's about that but it's also about what we make no that is a mixture because we grew up listening to rock music to electronic to english spoken music but we also grew up listening to cumbia and to folk and to salsa mm -hmm. and so our generation was like the the, the mixing point between those two worlds into one language that uh, you you bring this language to festivals and people who don't talk spanish and who don't know how to sal dance salsa but they can dance to bomba stereo no? because that is the electronic beat the language is like more common for them because it's a mixture it's a mixture between the two worlds it's a mixture and you have been bridging let's say even the language uh, let's say the language issue because if i think of you know some of the more famous songs from bomba stereo or the more let's say internationally popular fuego 
I mean, we don't need to we don't need to explain that one, but it's it's an easy one for people to pick up, and it's almost like almost anthemic in in the way. And then you've got sort of uh, somos dos, very easy again for for an international non hispano parlante, non Spanish speaking crowd, and then soy yo, which almost feels like a product, further product of uh, you know almost like an MTV generation because the video is so very recognized. Uh, and that, that would be the bridge, isn't it? That's a bridge. It's not just, let's say, a second-generation Hispanic uh, diaspora in the U.S. It's, it's Europeans as well. It's Anglo-Parlantes. It's, it's Scandinavians. They're all picking up on it. But on a side note, quickly, about uh, Soy Yo, where did you find that girl, the girl in the video who dances, who does the, you know, the, the, the dorky dancing? We all do it now. We all do the dorky dancing. Where, where did you find her? Yeah, no, the most, the most uh, funny story behind that video is that that video was directed by a Danish director. A Danish from director. Den- Denmark. From Denmark. <laughs> And when we were pitching the idea, when we, we pitched an idea to him, we said, okay, let's do a video in Denmark that has nothing to do with the tropics. And I don't know if we want to do something really, really uh, far away from Bomba Stereo <laughs> aesthetics and everything. And the guy said, no, I want to make this video in New York with a Latin immigrant from New York. Hmm. And, and and it's a really low budget video, you know. Really? The video was really low budget, but it's the best video of the band ever. Mm-hmm. So the guy went to New York and did this casting, casting, and he uh, got to the girl and to the family of the girl. She she's an an Latin immigrant in New York, and it was a, a portrait of that, no, of a Latin immigrant in New York that is kind of. You, you kind of feel that she was bullied because she has you know, the, the teeth and the and the glasses and everything. And people were so identified with that, with that character. And it was in the middle of, uh, of this context uh, when the Trump, the first Trump elections. Yeah, so it became like an anthem for the Latin people of New York and L.A. and, and the Latin cities in the U.S. that didn't want to vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. So it what became like very political, the video at the same time. And it basically, it was, I don't know, it was totally unexpected what the reaction towards the video, you know. It was yeah, amazing. It was beautiful. It was amazing. We all, I mean, everybody knows it. And, and you know, my six-year-old puts it on YouTube. That's, that's There you go. I mean, it, you know, you, it has, again, bridged generations and bridged languages and language divisions. It's amazing on that, on that respect. And, uh, I, I would expect people in my family to have seen it, people in Canada, people in the UK and everywhere else. I mean, that's that's the you know how far these things extend, but you so I didn't know that it was a, a political. It's bec- it became a political uh, voice. That's that's very interesting. It's very interesting, a political, and and because the message behind the video is a really beautiful and simple message. You know, it's like it doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, how you look like. It's like it's it's you, and 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 what what is important is that is you. It doesn't matter. No races or, and it also happened something really beautiful that Spanish teachers in the U.S. 
started using the song for for their classes, yeah. you know, for the Spanish classes. So they used the song and it, the process. I don't know was beautiful, and and the girl become really famous after the video. I think now she's like pitch for Hollywood movies and everything. <laughs> no way. Is she going to be the, the equivalent in like 20 years time as the the naked baby on the Nirvana album? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what you've done to her. She's going to come back and try and sue you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back to El Yuma, the Magdalena. I mean, we know the cumbia music and obviously everybody who listens knows my, uh, my connection to Mon Boz. Now, you're going to do, when the movie comes out, because, again, it's going to be funded, and listeners out there, you're going to throw some cash at this. Um, uh, you're going to do the, the premiere in Montbos in 2023. Yeah, that's the idea. That's the idea. And actually, it's one of the biggest rewards in the Kickstarter, you know, for the people who who throw, I, I think it's 5000 or 10000 they go to the premiere in Mompox. No? Why? Because Mompox kind of is kind of an, an emblematic town in the river. You know, it was emblematic Spanish speaking in terms of the colonial terms for the Spanish because it's a really colonial town, beautiful colonial architecture and everything. And it was a key a key place for for colonization, no? Mm-hmm. Uh, this town, and and pe- people have to know. For example, the people that have come to Cartagena, I think Montpós is even more beautiful than Cartagena. You know, it has this energy, and it has this, and it has the river there. It's so so powerful, and it has like a history around culture as well. They make this jazz festival in Montpox, no, and I don't know if they they make some film film things over Montpox. Mm-hmm. And now that they're that people can get there by car, it's it becoming very trendy as well, no. It is becoming very trendy, uh, but we. I don't know if that's for good or for bad, but, but yeah. I I grapple with this. You understand? You know, I am a foreigner. I have been here. 15 or 16 years and I, I, you know, I, I, I bought the first colonial ruin uh, in 2008 and there was nobody gambling on Montbars, nobody viewing and it was a struggle but we, we started to make things work and French and German tourists far more than Colombian tourists because you know if you couldn't get there in your car easily nobody wanted to come but if you know, European, it's an adventure, so it was great. Now we've got the bridges and you can get there. It's the distance from major cities, still five hours, six hours from Cartagena, still five hours from Santa Marta, three and a half from Bailupar. It's still a great filter on mass tourism, you know, that still puts off people from coming. But on the other side, who am I to say that Montpossinos can't benefit from an upturn in an economy having suffered for so long? I mean, they really did suffer in isolation. And also a little bit about what you have been alluding to is we talk about the African influence and the indigenous influence because of the isolation the feudal influence remained very strong. 
in Mompos. So you've got the white upper class who still, they may not have any money, but they have a, a certain political control. And if opening up Mompos can permit, you know, a bit more of economic fluidity and a, a change in this type of society, then it's a good thing. So I, I find myself in sort of conflict around it. And obviously, as a business owner, I want to fill my beds. But in total, I've got you know, the two places. In total, I've only got 17 rooms. And in Montbos, totally, I don't think there's more than 300 rooms. I think there's less than 300. So, you know, tourism can come. Uh, it needs to be managed. But I don't think it will overwhelm the town. I think, I think we're looking at benefits. We've got a new hospital now. This wouldn't have happened without, you know, the, the, the growth. Uh, part of the old high school is becoming... A, a, a part of a university so kids don't have to leave Montbos. the airport is running these things you know this this helps the communities but again like again you say we need to work alongside the environmental side of this and too often the environmental side is sacrificed in the name of again uh, a certain progress yeah it's it's, it's, you know, it's a difficult discussion because, but I think the movie, one good thing about the movie that we, we've been trying to, to develop, you know, is in, in all the profundities. Because we are we are white people making the movie, you know. And in, and in one moment of the development of the movie, I was in the movie, you know. Like I was I kind of discovering this music, but this music doesn't need to be discovered. This music exists. No, so we're in that discussion about the white point of view, and and we ended up saying this movie has to be a voice for for the community. Is them speaking, mm. and when they speak, for example, that is kind of a difficult subject. They they are, for example, um, in in favor of the river uh, today is not a nav navigate navigatable river navigable yeah it's not navigable for for big uh, touristic uh, boats or whatever because it has so much sediments mm -hmm. and everything um, and one of the projects of the government not only for tourism but also for getting the uh, petroleum petroleum uh, from barranca to barranquilla easily was to drag east to drag the river mm -hmm. you know and this, in terms of environment, is, is really, really harmful. Mm. But if you ask the communities, they're in favor of that because they want the tourism back and they want the boats with tourists come and, and have work to do around that. So it's so sometimes I think, okay, they, finally, they are the ones living there, no? Mm. Not us from the city saying, oh, the river, you cannot drag the river. So hopefully that hasn't happened yet. The project was stopped, but I think it will be done in some point that they will bring machi machines and drag all over the river so uh, it has more profundity and boats can go can go from Onda or Barranca to Barranquilla easily all over the year, no? And that uh, in the past, in the past, it used to be like that, but in the past, we didn't have so much deforestation mm -hmm. because all those sediments of the river have... 
have to do also because back in the top of the river, there's lots of deforestation. I know that deforestation just brings the, the, the sand and all the sediments to the river and they go back to Arranquilla. So it's kind of a, a difficult, difficult situation. But I think one has to think is about the communities, no? They they come first and they they live there and they are the ones who know the necessities. Yeah. The the big project will be when they dredge the uh, the the secondary rivers so that the more water flows into the Magdalena. That's that's the next project. Uh, obviously, everything was cancelled after the Odebrecht scandal because they were going yeah. to do it through their company called Navalena. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, fortunately, Navalena. And the, the next year, the tourist boat starts. It's not a big one, though. And it will go from Cartagena around the Magdalena up to Magangue, and then back the other side of the island via Montbos and back up to Cartagena. It's one of those luxury boats that they have like in in Europe on the Danube and things small uh, luxury but uh, they require the agency the company requires the government to drag the the like so confluence rivers that go into the uh, into the river itself but I, I mean I only hope that the environmental concerns are, are brought into context because while everybody talks about the benefits of tourism this is small tourism this is not big tourism this is not going to benefit everybody this benefits you know a few key uh sectors of it but uh, you know the more that we publicize the more that people like you publicize and with your team and i think it's not just you simon mejia simon hernandez liliana andrade paola alvarez the more that you publicize this uh the more that we'll everyone will look at the river and, and this is a good thing. This is important to, you know, we, we understand. But, you know, like those of us in the city, we have an opinion. But I guess, as you say, it's the communities. Yeah, and we're looking. And it's crazy because I think the main idea beyond all this is that Colombia stopped looking at the river, you know, for centuries. Because for the indigenous cultures and everything, River was a, a sacred, sacred, no, and, and important for life all over the territory. Mm. Then, after the Spanish came and everything, the, the river was like really. They tried to not look, just use it, no, use it for for something concrete. And then centuries pass and centuries, and and today, call we Colombians are looking back at the, at the river, mm. and you you see in Barranquilla that they build this huge Malecon. Mm-hmm. Uh, after centuries of, of of giving the back to the river, no, so we're looking again at the river and seeing that, that is maybe it's the most important natural thing that we have in Colombia. And we all depend on the river, mm-hmm. and we have to respect it and, and 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 look at it again. And these kind of projects are ways of of or, hey of telling people hey we have to look back at the river. This is, we have to respect the river. If the river lives, we are going to live, and the music is going to live as well. Mm. Well, let's let's move on to the music because one of your and it's in the video on the Kickstarter page. One of your sets of musicians 
one of the bands is Abundio y sus Traviesos, who are personal friends of mine. And during the pandemic, I, I, I contracted Abundio and his son, uh, Samuelito, to teach me how to play the tambores. <laughs> it, was a, it was a way of trying to help them a little bit. But, and they played uh, at my wedding all those years ago. So they, I mean, they were good friends of mine. And how was it uh, recording with Abundio, Samuel, and, and, and his extended family? It's uh, Abundo. I think the band is called Abundo y sus traviesos. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, uh, amazing, man. I, I think with him and with all the musicians, uh, there's such a beautiful thing is that they are not trained musicians. No, they don't learn to play music in any university or school or they don't have a, a great access to the internet. They have it just in their in their veins. The music is is in their veins for centuries, generations through generation. So seeing these people sing and play the drums and and play the instruments is always like a a learning a learning. No, it's like a, a teaching for us because um, they've got into music in a so organic and ancestral way. No, and they and they carry and they are the carriers of this knowledge that is a oral knowledge no because there there are no schools for learning this it passes orally generation to generation and i think that kind of 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 process is really unique today you know that everyone's so dependent on the internet and on social media and on media no this is like ancient knowledge and they and 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 when they die they they take that ancient knowledge with them no mm -hmm. so so it's like being in front of a no, master of a master and it's beautiful to listen to their stories and their point of view about life and and it's like transporting into another era of the world mm -hmm. and 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 in the and in this documentary you will be studying the dance as well, uh, because of course the mixture. I know in in the town of Menchiquejo, which is not so far from Monpos, it's it, the area is referred to as the, the Valle de los Indios because there's let's say people of more indigenous descent, and they have a dance which is spectacular, and you don't see it very often. And once I was invited to see it, and I was exhausted watching it because it went for like 25 minutes, and it was so. <laughs> athletic but it again <laughs> the river was key uh, will you be bringing uh, some of these dance examples in as well yeah for sure because in this especially in this area of the river because the music changes so much you go from one town to the other and there's the music changes you know we, we know cumbia because it's the most outstanding and it is the one that, that got international and everything but there are like hundreds of rhythms mm -hmm. and dances and it depends if it's more african influence or more indigenous influence or more uh, but in this particular area uh, around monpos and all the depression monposina this area of the river and uh, is really really influenced by dance and music is linked is always presented with dancing as well and uh, it's part of the tradition if you go more up north Uh, towards Barranquilla, 
then that changes. Then dances, the dancing changes, and 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 it's not so important as as in this area. So for sure, it's because it comes attached with the music, mm-hmm. and it has their own histories around the why why the movements and why dancing like this way and why dressing as as women. No, because they have this tradition of the of these guys that they dressed as women, and it comes from a tradition they were trying to mock the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, in kind of like a rebellion, no? They dressed up as a woman, and the Spaniards came, but they were the, the guys, no? Behind the dresses, and they killed the Spaniards, and told full of histories and stories about this that are really, really awesome. You, you also still have the the clowns that dress up as women, the payasos, uh, like during the Coralejas, the the bullfight season. And when I take foreigners to the to the Coraleja, they always go straight for them to kiss them and to embarrass them. It's the funniest thing to watch. The, the, these <laughs> foreigners go, no, just take take my pesos, <laughs> take them, go away. When we talk about the rhythms as well, uh, one of for me, you know, beyond the mapale and beyond the cumbia, uh, one of the ones, and I know it's complex, is the chande. Uh, will you be, and I'm, I'm asking about it, because my wife's grandmother was a chande singer from around Gamara. You know, she's no longer with us, but what do you think of chande? I mean, what do you have a favorite rhythm from, the, from these cumbia backgrounds? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm... It's, it's, it's not so easy to distinguish between them. You know, you have to be like really into folk music. Uh, but yeah, I like Chande a lot. I like another one that's called Son, Son de Negro. Mm. And also the tambora, the, the tambora music that is really common to these places around Mompox. The tambora, that because, for example, in this area of the river, there are no, no flutes. The flutes came come a little bit a, uh, after, no? the gaitas and everything that are more cumbia oriented. But this tambora music is only drumming, clapping, singing, and dancing. It's only drums and and and, and boys. No, you don't have instruments like wind instruments or. And then with the rhythms, it's so difficult because it depends on the way they hit the drum, no, the pattern of the drum. And some are more, more up-tempo and some are more down-tempo. The cumbia is more down-tempo. Mm-hmm. I think the chande is really up-tempo, no? It's like a, kind of a, like a high-speed metal. Yeah, <laughs> metal. <laughs> okay. And, and, and so finally, when will we expect you in Montpós, uh filming? Well, we're in the middle of this campaign and and we were planning to go in April, but I think we're moving a little bit the dates. But uh, we're doing one more pre-production team before going to the film uh, okay. to, to shoot the movie. We have to do one more pre-production trip, like doing all the journey uh, backwards from uh, Barranquilla, from Cienaga to to Rio Viejo, like mm-hmm. backwards. And then after that, we have to come write a little bit more in the script and then we're ready to film. Excellent. But it depends on the on the funding of the project as well that hopefully is going well, but we need more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you're looking for $20,000. You've got 80% already. You're up at 16,000 and something. Uh, the, the campaign ends on March the 23rd. 
it's all or nothing. If this does not get funded, you're not doing the documentary. So I get, I don't know, some a thousand and something listeners a week to each podcast. If all a thousand of you <laughs> put, <laughs> you know, like $2 in for this or $10, it's done. It's done. So listen, support it because this is such an important one. This is not just, you know, some someone who wants to travel the world. You know, we get emails from people like this saying, oh, you know, it's my dream uh, to get in a, in a VW van, help make the, this a possible. This is not something. This is something to, I would say you're making a time capsule of Colombian music by doing this documentary. So I wish you all the best. Uh, I wish you all the best, and I know it's going to be funded. And and we will meet in Montbos because we will meet in Montbos and discuss <laughs> this the, the the humor. So for you, those of you out there listening, look up on Kickstarter.com, and it's called Yuma Sonic River, or in Spanish Rio Sonora, Rio Sonoro. And of course, it's a musical journey to the depths of the Magdalena River, the birthplace of Cumbia. And let me take this moment to say, Simon Mejia, thank you so much for your time and sharing some of this knowledge of music and some of the anecdotes of Bombay Stereo with us. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you, man. Thank you, man. And, and thank you for supporting this. Yeah, I think more than a, than a film, this is a, like a document of, of how nature... Uh, uh, and music are so are so related in in, the, in this really special territory called Colombia, Pow powerful territory, um, conflicted territory, but beautiful at the end. And this is this is about that, no, and about the power of rivers and about how how rivers flows as music flow, no. So thank you very much for supporting and and everyone listening to this. Thank you if you guys get to support the project. We'll be very, very grateful. Absolutely, absolutely. We've been talking to uh, Simon Mejia, one of the founders of Bombay Stereo, of course, producer, music producer, visual artist, documentary maker, Grammy nominee. When are you going to win a Grammy? You've been nominated so many times. Yeah, I know. I think that, I think the for the American Grammy, this is the third nomination, yeah. and there's a saying here in Colombia, the third is the win. Yeah, that's right. La tercera es el matado. ¿Cómo se llama? La tercera es el vencido. So we're we're going for it, man. And if no, we keep on being nominations. Well, you know how you have to do it. You have to get onto a, and I'll stop talking about this. You have to do like a Disney movie and then you get all the awards and an oscar and everything else so that's how you're going to do it uh, next step yeah, yeah so encanto I, too yeah. <laughs> but actually we have one song in this disney sing two movie there's oh, one yeah. song there but that happened after the grammy so i think ah. it will not influence oh no actually my actually the soy the soy track is in a disney movie oh, really so you yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, you want to go with your kids? It's called Sing Two. It's a movie that like animals, animals singing. My <laughs> son has said he wanted to see it, so I, I guess I'm I'm obliged to go and see it. I will listen out for it when I go. Anyway, I must stop talking. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck. I don't think you need it. It's going to get done, but everyone should fund this. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, and say uh, cheers to everyone. Yes.
Thank you again. This has been episode 416 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. Check out the kickstarter.com campaign. Obviously, share this show, share the Kickstarter uh, campaign, get everyone out there to follow this. It's very important. Again, as I said, it's like this time capsule for the music around the Magdalena River. I've been Richard McCall talking to Simon Mejia. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and goodbye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.